Hello, Leanna. Hello, Ed. How you doing today? I'm well. Okay. I'm. What? I'm. I'm. <laughs> That's yeah. it. Yeah. It's Leanna is. I'm. Yeah. So, Leanna, a couple things. Um, I want to talk about the passing this week of sex educator Sue Johansson. I want to talk about that, um, and maybe your memory of her, my memory of her, and what she accomplished. Uh, but first, I wish to report that uh, last year there was a, a red squirrel bedeviling me uh-huh. in the home. This year, it is a chipmunk that has gotten into my home, uh, apparently through the uh, dryer output um, uh, where the steam goes out. Anyway, um, this little bastard is so wily. Like, they made a mouse, Speedy Gonzalez. They should have made it a chipmunk. Because all uh, of those cartoons... Chip and Dale. Yeah, well, do you or remember... The, who, the really polite chipmunks or whatever, yeah. the groundhogs? No, they, they were like... chipmunks. The, the Warner Brothers guys who were both British and looked identical. Um, right. And then there was Chip and Dale who, you know, bedeviled Donald Duck in his home. Right. And you're supposed to root for the chipmunks in those cases. I no longer will because... <gasps> I cannot get this chipmunk out of the freaking house. I uh, it happened. I, I noticed the chipmunk uh, like uh, after six p.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you call. I call around to all of these uh, humane removal places that say they're open twenty four seven. Yeah, my butt. None of them. They all had voice yeah now. no yeah and and none of them called yeah. back. And so I knew that what was going to happen the next day after I do the radio show and I get home at like six in the morning and I fall asleep maybe 6.30, I know that about 8.30, all of those people that I left messages with were going to start calling, giving me about two hours of sleep. Um, okay, what is this thing now about not being able to get people on the phone? If you have a phone number, people should be able to reach you. But I've been having similar problems where when I'm, when I'm with a client, you know, I do not answer my phone. They have paid me for my time. They get my time. I should not have to be like ready to jump when someone calls me back. I should be able to reach them. Like if, if there are specific times that you can to take a call, please let people know what those are so we can call you back. I, I can't be at people's beck and call. Well, it's, we're in a beck but, and call world though with uh, emails and stuff. People expect you to be to snap too. Okay, um, emails and, though I can do during breaks. That's different than a call. That well, you know, an email you send and it, it it's there. A voicemail, most people don't even listen to the damn voicemail. They just check to see who called and called back. But yeah. these people, like, don't say you're twenty four seven when you're not twenty four seven. So I get the calls the next day. What do people call and tell me that they uh, will get rid of squirrels, not chipmunks? What's the difference? I ask them between a squirrel well, the and a chipmunk. Size. Uh, well, all they tell me is, well, uh, uh, squirrels and chipmunks aren't the same. So I know it's the, it's the trap size. It's the size of the mesh because I got a squirrel trap. Well, but they um, chipmunks are too small. Well, so then they should just bring me a damn chipmunk trap, which, you know, um, if you're in the area I'm in and you want to get rid of mice, there are companies that'll do that. Yeah, you want to get lot of mice rid companies. of uh, raccoons. Uh, humanely company that does that you uh, want to get rid of squirrels there's companies that do that you want to get rid of chipmunks there's randy <laughs> randy okay? 
Randy. He's the only guy who said, yeah, I'll, uh, he answered the phone, first of all. Right. That's uh, a which, good right thing. away, makes me suspicious. It's like, why aren't you busy? Um, and then uh, he's like, oh, I'll get rid of chipmunks. So he shows up. Uh, he gets out of the car. It's almost like I could hear uh, that music from uh, Clint Eastwood's Spaghetti Westerns. Okay. Um, he pulls up in his black truck. He gets out of his car slowly, his truck slowly, pulls a bit on his uh, his belt loops, um, puts his head back, cocks, you know, does his neck thing side to side, mm -hmm. and then walks forward. And I'm like, all right, uh, he's an older guy, but uh, and you know what? I trust the uh, when it comes to taking out chipmunks, I trust the guy named Randy. If his name sure. was Ryan, I wouldn't trust him. Oh, Randy is a guy who should be, you know, who you trust to get rid of chipmunks. So. He, long story short, he came in, saw the chipmunk. Chipmunk ran downstairs uh, in a room that we can close the door. He put traps in there, and it's now third day waiting for that damn chipmunk. And I hope the chipmunk didn't die because then he's going to stink. Um, so just waiting for that damn wily little chipmunk to run in the trap. And that is a story I've just told people that they probably didn't even uh, need to know and are probably sorry that they've lost that moment, that, that amount of time in their life. But I told the story. Let's move on. Okay. Um, Sue Johansson, the uh, the Sex with Sue broadcaster. Yeah. She was a pioneer in uh, sex education for not just uh, uh, teenagers in schools where she, she started, but for everybody. She had a popular uh, show on Cable 10 when I was there. So I, I did know her, but not well. Um, and then she got a radio show on a popular FM station. Mm -hmm. Then she went uh, national in Canada and then in the U.S. because she was so frank uh, about about uh, sex stuff. Yeah. Um, she just no nonsense, no giggling, uh, no shaming. Mm -hmm. No, it's just it was like a mechanic telling you something about your car. It yeah. Was, here is the information. Did you well, did you have her come to your school or anything? I don't I, I don't remember if she came to my I watched her show, but she was notorious for just not letting boys pull pull crap. And, it, you know, she'd heard everything in the book about at then it was, you know, AIDS and condom use. Right. And so, I mean, she'd do she'd be real. She would not she would be canceled today because oh she was God. raw well you know it, it shows the difference between canada and the u.s in that it she started in the 70s she yep. opened up a birth control clinic in a high school uh she was in a don nurse. mills right i think i think in, i think don mills yeah um yeah and uh she i mean she braved i mean you think about the the social structure at the time she braved uh, uh, criticisms you can call it that's a mild way from uh, religious people I, couldn't, I got a video that I talked about her on YouTube like years ago demonetized because you mentioned her name you can't even quote her it, because anything on YouTube that, that calls attention to body parts they, they censor you know you can tell sometimes that America was founded by Puritans oh it's you know, guys can walk around with their shirts and, um, it, it, you know, call attention to their bodies all they want. 
But I mean, I'm 45. Nobody's terribly interested anymore, unfortunately. But if I did anything about my cleavage, I'd be shut down. That's that's crazy. First of all, you're not allowed to do it. First of all, you don't look anywhere near 45. Secondly, oh, no, don't, you, don't you know it? Women my age are past our prime. Um, yeah, that's a load of BS. Um, oh, but major cable news stations, networks have have anchors. Let's well, say stuff like that now. Yeah, and, he got in a lot of trouble for that and partially got him fired. He got in trouble for that. He got in trouble for a whole bunch of other stuff. That was just the tip of the iceberg. But as, as I was saying, the uh, the Puritans were such a pain in the butt in England uh, that the English didn't want them there. So they came to America. And you can see the Puritan underpinnings of America. Um, she was talking, frankly, about yeah. sex to yeah. teenagers in high schools um, in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. Like, it just continued. She it, kept it, doing it. It worked. Teenagers don't want nonsense. They know when someone's coming at them authentically and they respond to that. Well, they, yeah, um, I remember. Okay, you say she didn't, you don't remember if she came to your school. I remember her coming to my junior high school when I was a young yeah. sock and mm -hmm. she did her talk in the mm -hmm. library and she brought with her this unisex uh, torso. Yeah. Um, which she would use to put like breasts on it or yep. a vagina on it, or a penis on imagine? it with the tackle. What's Can that? you imagine in a school now? Oh, no. No way. No It'd way. Freaking. No These way. Look at kids alone types. We'll be freaking out on this lady. Like, they yeah, couldn't the, cope. The, the parents who had who experienced this and didn't, didn't become reprobates back in the day would be the ones saying today, that shouldn't be allowed. But I don't want to get to that later. But uh, I remember distinctly that she put a uh, Velcro penis and testicles yep. on yep. This, this torso and talked about it. And when she was done, she just tore those things yep. right off the yep. uh, off the thing. And the, the, the combination of the yank and mm -hmm. the ripping sound of the Velcro, every guy there went, oh. Yep. And that's completely deliberate. It was, we had sympathy pains for, yep. the, uh, for, for the torso. Yep. That's completely deliberate because at the time it was, she was trying to, she was trying to cut down on the coercion, you know, the shame makes people not want to talk about it. And so, you know, just, just do it. Just don't, don't upset somebody. Don't make someone mad. And she was trying to show, no, you, you don't have to be cowed. You, you don't, you know, who cares if you make an enemy, we're backsliding. As a as a people, well, how does how does ripping a penis off like that, you know, accomplish that? Well, okay, guys tend to have a lot of investment in certain male body parts. Well, it's just instinctive when someone's ripping a penis off and with that noise, you just instinctively go, "Oh, it's not even a thought; it's okay, an immediate." Oh, but you know, the instinctive reactions that women have to certain things are not treated with the same, well, come on, everybody. It's not treated the same. And her being her, you know, her being an, an older lady. I mean, she was old as long as I was aware of her. She was 93 when she died. Yeah, I, I, I thought when she came to my high school in the 80s, I thought she was, uh, I thought she was 93 then. 
Yeah, I mean, that was the trend of old ladies talking about sex because Dr. Ruth was in the U.S. as well. But doc, the thing about Dr. Ruth is she was, uh, she came across, her image was much more of the cuddly, yes. uh, funny, uh, well, yeah. and, and she did amazing. I mean, Dr. Ruth could not exist in today's America. No. Nope. Dr. Ruth was a pioneer in the States yeah. because, uh, but Sue was the opposite. She was just uh, cut and dry about yep. about sex. And, uh, I, you know, I talked about it on my FM show and people called in and there was two sets of people, Diana. There were those mm -hmm. who said that they learned a lot about, you know, important things about their bodies. Right. Uh, and, and again, she wasn't telling people to go have sex. No. She was giving people information they could use. Um, what I liked about it is she demystified it. So it didn't seem like this, you know, magical rite of passage. It was just a thing. Yeah, it was just a natural biological process. Um, so there was those who said that they, you know, really learned. Then there were some guys who called up who said that they used to get together, get drunk on Sundays and watch Sue. Yep. Because guys sitting together learning about sex in order for them not to feel like maybe perhaps this is somewhat homosexual, they have to add the drinking to try to add some level of performative masculinity for male teens. Okay. Because otherwise but it makes them uncomfortable. In fairness, yeah. she was really entertaining. Oh yeah. Like yeah, just she... how blunt she was. She, really entertaining. Like we need shows like that now. There is no way a show like that would be on the air now. No way. Way too much controversy. And, and that you makes me sad. It is. It, yeah, I agree that it's sad. I had kind of a great thing I saw today. Mm -hmm. I saw a Gen Zer, uh, like, shut up, old person, a millennial. <laughs> oh, boy. I was it's like, starting. The, the millennials have hit that point now. And I, I, it was like, oh, but at the same time, I pity them, right? Because now they're where what we know is like, but they have no home, no, no job security, no car, no savings, and a ton of student debt because they got economically screwed. You know, I feel real bad for millennials right now. So millennials got okay boomers, at least. Uh, yeah, it, I was like, oh, this is a moment. Um. Speaking of moments, Grimace, my goodness, what's happened? I didn't know people didn't know this. Well, okay, let me just set this up, okay? Yeah. Grimace, for those who don't know, because he's been downplayed the last number of years, Grimace is a character from McDonald's McDonaldland. He right. is a- The purple a, guy. A, a big purple, I can't even really describe the shape. The shape. He's a, he's a, I have a Grimace uh, figurine with the milkshake in and my it, office. It used to be that he was spelled G-R-I-M-M-O-S. Now they yeah. spell it like the word grimace, like, you yeah, know. But he's a purple kind of triangle, like conical shaped monster critter. I believe it was the Crofts that uh, designed Yes, from it. The, the Croft yeah. Super Show and stuff but like that, yeah. He originally had like multiple eyes and forearms and stuff like that. Now he's kind of cutified. And so he's this triangular shaped purple lovable monster who chills fast food to children. And he is he has become a gay icon. And yeah. I knew nothing about this. He, Somewhere along the line, he became a gay a icon. 
he's been a gay icon for a while because he's purple and he's kind of shaped like the head of a penis. What? Yeah. Wait, wait a minute. There are... that, that's how it was explained to me. There are no penises that I that, that exist on this earth. I don't think <laughs> that look he, like he, that are shaped like grimace. Grimace gets so it. wide uh, as he comes down. I mean, he's kind of shaped like a butt plug. He looks like a sex toy. Uh, okay, butt plug. I can see. Yeah, I can see grimace being shaped like a butt plug, yeah. but not like a penis. It was explained to me originally that he he looks like the the head of a penis, I, but also I under, purple like, butt butt plug. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'm with you on the butt plug. I am not with you on the shape of a... Like, you've got some kind of elephanto, elephantiosis or something if well, your penis tapers down to this huge, wide base on the... I mean, I feel sorry for you if that's your penis. I mean, he, his his head looks nothing like a penis. Why are we talking about this? His head, he doesn't have a helmet-type shape. He looks nothing no, like no, no, a penis. No, 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 Never mind. He doesn't even look like an uncircumcised penis. He does, I mean, this is ridiculous. Anyway, they came out with a shake, a berry-flavored Grimace Ew. shake. Well, because he, he was the guy associated with shakes. And um, and it was Grimace's birthday shake, wasn't it? Was it his birthday shake? You're probably right. Yeah. Um, But he, uh, he uh, he's become this gay icon. I had no idea. Apparently him and Hamburglar... Yeah. marched in the gay parade. And is that, are we to imply that he and Hamburglar are life partners in that way? First of all, is Grimace even a he? I don't know. I think Grimace is ace. Ace, uh, meaning asexual? Yeah. Yeah, because Grimace has sort of a masculine voice, but could also lead into a a, 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 a smoky female voice. Um and now, together with Hamburglar, who Hamburglar, by the way, used to look more sinister. Yeah. Remember, he looked like an actual criminal. He yeah. was sinister. And now they made him all cute, like yeah. baby, baby Hamburglar. Yeah. Rabble, um, rabble. What did you say? Rabble, rabble. Yeah, rabble, rabble. That was he used yeah. to say, rabble, rabble. Um, yeah. You think of the stuff that was for kids back then. Like, nobody could cope with it now. It, it would just cause apoplexy in some of these crusaders. It, it always makes me laugh. Well, I mean, you know that they, that if he was around today and being used, they would claim that Ronald McDonald was gay. Um, and as opposed to well, just a Well, they did that clown. back then, too. No, What's it that? would be, he would be a child groomer. Oh, a child groomer, yes. Every, everything's a child groomer now. Anyone in a costume who looks and a kid is a child groomer now because people have lost their sense of everything. Well, also, they are they don't understand what grooming actually is, which well, is not which is not they, showing up to read a book at a library. They it's, want to change the meaning of the term. Well, it, it, to the point where it has no meaning, because well, grooming okay, is a okay. long process, usually done. Correct okay. me if I'm wrong. Usually done by a family member or somebody close a family friend or somebody who they recognize as sort of a, a person of, of authority. Well, the, the whole the whole idea of grooming is you're forming trust and you're, you know, making it so the kid doesn't talk if, you know, something bad happens. And that's why these these things, parents behaving badly, 
as the child of a parent who did stuff like this back in the day, you are discouraging your kid from telling you anything. Because if you go off the chain, the minute you hear something you don't like, they're going to keep it from you. The worst thing you can do is march into school, you know, all hopped up with the devil on your tail. Your kid is not going to tell you things. Trust me, I was that kid. My father did that nonsense, storming into school about things and yelling at teachers. And I did my best to have him know as little as possible about what I was doing. I mean, I stopped. I had nothing to do with him at 16 because he was just, he was impossible. It was I mean, he was a bad person all around, but this was part of it that yeah. he was he was a he was a maniac. He was a madman. And that's what I see when I see these parents on on all things, right? Any any parent that as a first resort starts screaming and yelling in public instead of talking to the teacher if, if you talk to the teacher and you get shut down, it's fair. You know, take that, take that, um, you know, that step. But at least try to have the conversation with educators. It's not that hard. And I actually think that some people are so conflict diverse that they make the conflict worse because they won't have a direct discussion. They insist on it being in, you know, protest. I will not be silenced. You were never silenced in the first place. You didn't even try to have the conversation. Anyway, uh, as uh, a Yiddish term, Fedrida Donkov, which basically means enough of this crap. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, more power to Uh, uh, Grimace and Hamburglar. I will get them something from uh, from a pottery barn. From my point of view, parents are the last people that should be consulted on what their kids should be learning about anything, but, but including, uh, you know, health education about sex and, and sexuality. Started in Ontario. Uh, it's one of the things that got Ford elected in Ontario. Um, right. You know, the, them uh, opposing sex ed courses, um, even well, though many of them went through these sex ed courses, unscathed well, and in Ontario I don't know about was, you and I want, to, you want you to tell me in a second but in my I have to I have to fact check it was the changes to curriculum that they didn't like because it include included you know what we used to call non-traditional family structures the idea that people can have two mommies or two daddies stuff like that and he was elected on that now let's face it he was elected based on people didn't like Kathleen Wynne the liberals, you know, the liberals that had been in power for how long? 12 years? A long time. 16 years? It it was, that was sort of the excuse. But then he came in and the curriculum stayed pretty much the same. They did a review and didn't find anything wrong with it. It's amazing how that got quiet. Uh, that part well, got, it's, it's like when newspapers would publish a false fact on the front page and publish a retraction in a small corner on page 11. Well, it's more like the fact that they passed a a law where uh, manufacturers, like distributors who put a lot of plastic wrap and stuff like that on things, the things that are hard to do anything with because we don't have any places to put our garbage and places won't take our garbage because it's too toxic. You can't do anything with it. 
So now the manufacturers have to pay a disposal fee. And if that were a liberal initiative, it'd be job killing taxes. You know, when the carbon tax went in, because it's the Ford government, crickets. Um, yes. Um, where were we? Oh, well, yes, the these, stuff these about parents. Yeah, so I don't I thought... like calling them parents' rights groups because there's shenanigans about how they're formed, but we'll call them that for now, just for ease of use. For, yeah, yes, for ease of reference. Um, and it, 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 they have grown in in strength in this current milieu in the United States, especially where, first of all, these people um, talk about gender, which is a talk about sex, sex as gender, how they relate. Uh, these people hear the word sex and immediately think you're talking about sexual activity. They can't distinguish because the word sex is just such a, ah! Yeah, they've them. got they've they, got unhealthy attitudes that they want to pass along to the next generation. Yeah, and they don't want anyone getting in the way of them passing on those unhealthy attitudes. Yeah, uh, yeah. that's that's called indoctrination. Um, oh, school... but no, no, you know, Ed, I, no, I know what you're going to say. No, that that is freedom. That is their liberty. Indoctrination is everybody else, not them. It's amazing how schools whose job it is and who do this who bring to uh, uh, students a, a variety of uh, ideologies, like politically and socially, and tell them about various religions and world religion courses, who, let, who, who open up the, the world to these kids and give them multiple um, options, multiple streams of information that they can, they can incorporate. These, these multiple streams of information, that's indoctrination. But trying to uh, for force a kid to only be taught exactly what the parents want them to be taught, um, that's not indoctrination. That's ridiculous. The, what the parents want is indoctrination. And honestly, I can't think of anybody. Um, I mean, if, if you're listening, think about this. When you were a teenager, preteen or teenager, was there anybody less equipped to provide you with proper discussion, information, and guidance than your parents? I mean, come on. The, you, you know parents were out of the loop. And when you went to them, I mean, some people had a different experience. Great. Most people didn't. Parents are usually in this delusion of their kids being children forever um, and their, the kids uh, adopting the exact same thoughts and ideologies that they have. Uh, parents are, and they're not equipped. They're not educators. They don't know how to deal with talking about sexual things. They get very nervous and, 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 uh, reactive. There is nobody less equipped to talk about, uh, health education, about biology or, or about sex than parents. Do you agree or disagree? Well, if your parent happens to be an expert in the field, you know, that's different. I don't I have I have a nuanced view on this. Oh, let's hear that then. Okay. They talk about parental consultations on this. I think consultations are a great idea. People should be able to show up and express I, this has been ruined as a phrase, but actually express concerns. 
You know, I think that's good. I think there should be dialogue between educators and parents. But this is not consultation. These are parents demanding absolute control over the ideas that their kids are exposed to. And in, at that point, that isn't, you know, let parents raise kids because raising a child and educating a child aren't the same thing. But that's the point where let parents raise kids become let bad parents abuse kids. And that's the balance that nobody wants to talk about one way or the other because they want simple, rigid talking points instead of recognizing that if a parent wants to talk to a teacher about something, they have that right. If, you know, the, the parent wants to contact the school and say, look, there's a special circumstance here. Can you please let me know before subjects of this sort are brought up and in a functioning relationship you don't need rules for that the parents and the teachers collaborate to do what's best for the specific circumstances of that student but that's not what any politically oriented group is, is advocating for right now you know no they they're want not, they... either Either you cannot, you absolutely cannot involve parents at all, or you must involve parents, and both of those are wrong. Well, I, I mean, yes, you're right. Ideally, there is a conversation that occurs so that the child is getting uh, su uh, support in the classroom and support at home. It's good for parents to know what a kid is being taught so they can be prepared for the questions that may be asked in the home. It's good to work in tandem. But, mm -hmm. you know, it's like people say um, parents should be told when their child identifies as a different gender. And my yeah, thought that, is that. No. Well, no, I agree with you. My thought is this. Why doesn't the parent know? How can There's you be so blind as to not see that there is something going on? And why does your child not feel comfortable coming to you about this? That is the issue if you're if you're concerned as a parent you should be thinking how did i miss this why am i overlooking my kid and secondly why does my kid not feel uh safe coming to talk to me about this that's parents need to ask that questions about themselves don't be blaming the kid for not telling you or the school for not telling you well blame yourself actually, for not paying attention there's actually really good reasons why good parents are the last to know and what are when those? their kids are having a situation like that um, parental rejection hurts the most. Oh, okay. And so often kids will tell other people, other adults first, because it hurts less. They're practicing and they'll get another adult to help them craft their message to their parents. So they have the, the best chance of a good result. That, and that, that's good for everybody. That makes complete sense actually yeah, yeah. you're that's you tested out on people who matter less yeah um, and you know i have i have clients where we talk about how to bring up difficult things and they'll say something because they're emotional right and so it's like they'll say something and it's like okay maybe don't say it that way try this so it actually makes it easier on everybody if you've got someone with some knowledge and training who can say like, yeah, 
okay, let's let's workshop this, right? Yeah, no, I, I, once again, you provide uh, sensible clarity where I just blessed her. Um, yeah, but, but I mean, it's important to be able to have these discussions, right? Because a lot of people do think, you know, this is why. And it, it's a nuanced approach. And I think we need to go to break again. Yeah, we do. And I will just go say back that, and, and that discussion is a lost art in this uh, present cultural moment. Discussion is a lost art because it, it, it ends up going to identity way too fast. And it, it, we don't even understand what identity is anymore. I mean, theme of the episode, right? With that guy getting so personally invested in me going, dude, stop sending me articles about rape. It, you know, and they don't take no for an answer. They double down and then they get upset. But what, what kind of reaction do people expect to get on a topic like that? Like people are... People are so ignoring their emotions that they're controlled by them. These and that days. is why people should be listening to It's Not Therapy, because you do give really good um, uh, workshops there about how to recognize this and how to deal with it. And we should go to a break. Yeah. It's starting to be summer. And so it's hot. And there's a lot going on, and the weather's bad in different ways everywhere. And well, and, and you with your fair skin, you well, can't go out and you can't just, go outside just, with impunity. I just don't go out, but people are losing it. You think and it's the crazy from the heat, as the uh, David Lee Roth album I, titled? I I think there's a lot going on in the world, and people are forgetting um that the person they're attacking is not the person who caused the problem no they, i think they're just a target of convenience you can't get to the person that's causing the problem so right. take it out on whoever's in front of you yeah and it's i don't know people get this identity in their heads that they're a good person and then the minute someone points out they made a mistake in communication, they just completely lose it. And, you know, I had I had this guy go, you know, a guy I've known for a while. You know, they should know me. He should not have gone there. But he immediately went personal about, you know, I hate using the word misogyny because the minute you say misogyny, people tune out. But when he calls me, uh, he accuses me of going on a tirade, not being able to admit I'm wrong, needing to make an enemy a day, you know, in rapid succession. They're all stereotypes about women with opinions, right? But the problem is, if someone's actually a thing, you can't point out that they're the thing because they're the thing. So they'll get, they'll blow up and deny being the thing and get even worse. And you're talking about when you point out to him, that he's saying statement, which I always use the term are uh, anti-women. Well, it was, yeah, well, they'll deny that too. That'll be the same. It was, a, I don't know if you've seen this story in the news about the FBI is finally creating a swatting database. For those who don't know what swatting is, swatting is, what is swatting? <laughs> swatting is, well, the definition of swatting has 
changed, but it is basically someone making a fake call to the police so that they'll get the police to show up and, you know, like hold the homeowner at gunpoint. Or they're making a like call that. about somebody else. Like they're calling Somebody's the police to someone else's hostage, home. Or it's a fake call. Right. That they make look like it's from the area when it might actually not be. And it's basically to get somebody to show up, the cops to show up and scare the heck out of somebody or worse as a quote unquote prank. And really, it, that's a that's a prank today, Leanna. Whatever well, happened to uh, hi, is your not. refrigerator running? It's not. And the problem is that the U- U.S. politics are so dysfunctional that there's really no law with any teeth to actually make swatting a crime. And even if there was, I mean, you know, filing a false police report is a crime, but they don't they haven't bothered investing in the technology to catch the people doing this. So, you know, it's getting worse instead of better because they don't get caught. And, you know, until they do it to someone important and then the police care. And so this one poor guy has been him and his wife have been swatted 42 times. Wait, the police have shown up to this guy in his wife's house 42 no, times. I, I was like, come on, this is inept. But then I read the story. They they follow the guy. He's an author. And they follow the guy's social media feed. So if they go to a restaurant, they'll swap the restaurant. If they go to, they went to a baseball game and they phoned in a bomb threat. So they're just, they are just hounding this guy. 42 times? Have have the police not clued in that, well, I guess they don't know that it's related to this guy and, you know, calling a bomb threat to a baseball game. They don't know this guy is there. Right. They, they, they may know it's, you know, unless this guy is registering his entire, every movement with the local police, there's this whole group of people online that are just following this guy's movements to make him miserable. And um, it was over something so stupid too. Like just just a a difference of opinion on something that just does not matter. But, you know, we're in an age where people create these, you know, excuses to themselves why it's okay to be awful to other people. And then, you know, ironically, considering my situation, they go, I'm not the problem. You're the problem. And so I put up about this and this guy started going on a tirade against the cops. Well, of course, that's and, a natural progression. And OK, I made a mistake in trying to be nice the first time because I didn't want to get into it. I didn't want to make a swatting thing about police brutality because over policing in the U.S. I mean, over policing in Canada is complicated, but over policing in the U.S. is extra complicated. Because, yes, it happens to everyone, but also black and brown people, especially. Right. Anybody who cannot agree that black and brown people in the U.S. have it worse, you're not living on planet reality. And I mean, I'd even go so far, at least in Toronto, black people have it worse in terms of interactions with police here as well. These are not contentious statements. We have data and getting into the reasons why that's nice. But let's agree on this point before we start talking about why, right? That's reasonable. But no, no, this guy started involving Israel. 
in America's police brutality problem. Because the, I don't know if you know it, the ADL pays to send U.S. cops over to Israel for uh, mass casualty event training. Uh, the Anti-Defamation League, the Human yeah. Rights uh, yeah. Organization. Yeah, and um, they uh, they apparently actually, I pointed out to the guy that they actually quietly paused it after, um, God, I almost said Rodney King, George Floyd was murdered. Um they actually stopped the trips for a while and a memo came out saying, maybe we shouldn't do this anymore. Maybe this is making, you know, making Israel actually look bad. And sure enough, you know, Amnesty International puts out this barn burner thing. And I said to him, don't, don't blame, you know, the country, the only country with a Jewish character in the whole world for America's policing problems that go back to slavery. Israel didn't even exist back then. And then, you know, he that actually happened after he said something I about you should be afraid being in the U.S. or something. And I said, um, I'm at lower risk. I'm white. And he said, you're a woman. That's not what you should worry about from the police. And it was a link to an article about a woman being raped. And women being raped. And I was like, oh, that's creepy, right? Um, that's objectively yes. creepy. Are you, are you asking rhetorically or are you actually asking me? Because that is so obviously creepy. Well, no, it seems he, rhetorical. The guy insists is absolutely not creepy. Because when I said he was being creepy, he got really angry and started sending me half a dozen articles about women being raped by the police, which is also not at all creepy. I just have to make enemies. Well, that was a winner. This is what women go through, folks. And again, everybody goes through it, but there's a unique quality. Yes, men get, get falsely accused of things all the time, but there's a different threshold to it right? Like men don't tend to get accused of a tirade for one tweet. Men don't get accused of needing to make enemies. Men are, you know, the Andrew Tate thing, my enemies make me strong. Like it's not seen as a problem if men have enemies. Anybody powerful has enemies, right? But oh no, when you're a woman, if you don't care if everybody likes you, there's automatically something wrong with you. And if you dare suggest that this behavior is not okay, you're the problem. And I don't know what to do about this, Ed, because this stuff's everywhere. I have and no I, idea, unfortunately. I have I hate, no suggestion about how to deal with these kinds of men. Because I, 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 would, I would like to punch them in the face. Well, I hate talking about it. Because the minute you start talking about it, people start going, what'd you do? You must have done something wrong. They start picking your behavior apart. Instead of just saying, don't send articles about women being raped in a conversation about swatting. This shouldn't be that hard. And the fact that that is beyond us as a species has me very worried. Well, on that break note, because, yeah, um, uh, um, yeah. <laughs> you, you've sketched out a case yeah. that, uh, like that, that shows that, yeah, that th this, this is a problem. Um, I, uh, I don't get the planet right now. I just don't get what these activist groups are doing 
or what they think they're doing because to me it's the it's going in the exact wrong direction but oh don't you dare suggest that the tactics need work then you hate women or you know in this case the guy insists i can just never be wrong well, I will say this, that uh, in most of the times with you, probably 99% of the times with you where uh, I disagree, you're usually right. So uh, maybe the, the guy's got something. The thing is, I'm wrong a lot. But when I'm wrong, I almost immediately say I'm wrong. So it doesn't become a big deal and nobody notices. And it gets a little annoying because just the... I mean, okay, we don't even have to give um we don't even have to give any oxygen to someone responding to no, I didn't defend human rights abuses. I contextualize them in a global perspective with you just can never be wrong, can you? Like that's just somebody that's someone flailing. And I don't know why what is in someone's head? And I know what it is, but I'm, I've kind of lost touch with it. What's in someone's head that they'd rather make a complete jerk out of themselves than go, yeah, that wasn't the best way to make my point. Uh, that's some all point, I was saying to the guy. Like, don't do that. At some point, we should look into the whole, I mean, on... Uh... Uh, on it's not was it it's not therapy or was it getting through the night on my uh, FM show where you talked about people not willing to own up to being wrong or was it both I don't remember but it's something we should bring to this show um, as well uh, maybe next week yeah it's it's weird to me because I don't know my own history with that is just like yeah. People are going to call me something. Uh, see, the guy's using the fact that he knows that I know that people think I'm Satan. Because I won't just follow a political sphere talking point if I don't agree with it. You know, if I think it lacks nuance. So people get mad at me a lot. He's using that to claim I enjoy making enemies. And it's not the same. You know, I'm not going to try to be friends with someone who's who's hell bent on being my enemy. That's not the same as enjoying it. Well, that's where we are in this cultural moment. Speaking of moments, there are many great moments on Leanna's podcast. It's not therapy, which navigates the madness of mental health, uh, deals with mental health. Also, with things that may not be specifically mental health related, but cause you anxiety, cause you stress, uh, relationships, work, things like that. Um, so listen to It's Not Therapy. It's available and it's it's funny too. Like it's not heavy. A lot of information delivered in a personable way. Uh, it's available on all podcast platforms in the Sirius XM app. And uh, you can uh, hear me uh, five nights a week on uh, 94.9 The Rock or therock.fm, midnight to 5 a.m. on the All Night Show. Leanna, you know what it's time to do, so go ahead and do it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.